No, hey, it is great to be back with you, and uh, I, I bring you greetings from the church in Haiti, and uh, Mike Jackson and I were down there this past weekend with three others from the Indianapolis area, and it was an unbelievable experience. And I know that some of you have been involved in supporting uh, Nehemiah Vision Ministries. Maybe you support a child in their school, uh, and I, I just want to bring you the absolute confidence that there is great work happening uh, through this ministry, through Esperando Pierre and his family uh, down, down in Haiti. And, and I look forward to telling you stories, and I'll tell a few today, and would love to share with you and, and tell you more. And I'm just excited to tell you that we are going to be involved in what they're doing uh, as a church. And, and I just think that sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone, and you've got to go to some far-off places uh, to see the work that God is doing and to get your hands dirty a little bit. And, and so we're going to be looking at a couple of opportunities for you, for people from our church to go down there and to serve. But, but I'm also excited about, you know, just the contribution that we're going to make financially and with our prayers and, and just helping to get involved with what's happening uh, uh, through this great ministry. So be encouraged uh, about that. Last week at this time, we were worshiping uh, with the church, attending their church service, and, and how awesome it was to just look out and, and see 300 people, and we didn't understand the language at all, but, but we knew that they were giving praises to Jesus. And, uh, and I don't want to shame us, but man, they've got us beat on how to worship. I mean, they get going and the hands are going and everything, and, and it really, really was a very awesome time. Now, a few weeks ago, we gave a brief financial update with how we were doing as a church and took the opportunity to say thanks for your generous giving, uh, that we've been able to meet every expense, and, and God has just really provided in amazing ways over the past year. But we had to come to you honestly and just say that there were a few opportunities standing before us. Uh, that we felt like we would want to respond to, but the extra funds just really weren't there to do it. And so if you remember, uh, we came to you and just said, hey, here are three opportunities that are before us as a church right now. Uh, what if we could give uh, $10,000 over and above what we currently give uh, by last Sunday and be able to say yes to some of these great opportunities? Well, in case you haven't read your bulletin or looked at it very closely, I'm excited to tell you that you as a church generously and sacrificially gave over $11,500, and uh, we're excited about that. And, uh, and, and we celebrate that, and we give all of the praise to God for that, and uh, we just believe that, that God's going to continue raising us up in our giving here, but, but thank you for being generous, and uh, I want to tell you about a couple of things that are happening. First of all, uh, yesterday there were a group of 40-some volunteers from Grace Community Church who came here and just served in our building all day. They made the ask of us. They said, hey, we want to come. We want to do some work for you. Uh, can you find some things to do? And we did. And uh, some of you from our church joined them and helped out and provided provided some refreshments. I want to say thanks for that. But if you came in the main doors today, you noticed the landscaping that's taking place on that retaining wall. Uh, they wanted to do something outside the building for us, and so they put all that in place. Doesn't it look great? And then they do a good job with that. Uh, just a little bit more inviting entrance. Uh, there is fresh paint all throughout the building where they did a lot of touch-ups, so don't lean up against the walls today or anything. Well, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. It's probably all dry. But uh, they did some work in our, our early childhood area, and then they just deep cleaned the entire building. So you 
you are sitting in a germ-free building uh, this morning. But that was great. We were able to give our cleaning team the week off, and, and they just really went after it. And so we're real excited, and we were able to put some money into that to, to be able to do a few things. And, and there are a couple of other things that we're going to consider. There, there's some ventilation things that we can do to help keep our building a little bit warmer this winter because it's here. I scraped ice off of my window this morning. I don't know about you. Um, but also, you know, with some new carpet potentially. And so we're excited about that. So thanks for giving. You, you gave to that. Also, when it comes to Haiti, again, we're going to be looking at how we can make an immediate contribution to the work that they are doing there because there's some great needs. Uh, I'm going to show you some pictures later, but here's a picture of their school, which also serves as a church. This building sits out in the middle of nowhere, and, and it kind of looks, I've never been to Africa, but from what I understand, it just it's like Africa. They call it the bush. Uh, and uh, this is just a great place of hope in this community. They have currently constructed, and there are some 300 people that meet there for school and for church, and they're packed in, but they've also just constructed this new building, uh, which will serve as both a preschool and a medical clinic. Uh, for the community. And they are well into the project, but they are about $13,000 short on having that building up and fully running. And so we are going to make a contribution. We won't be able to cover the whole thing, but with a portion of what we received, we're going to make a contribution to get them a little bit further into their project uh, so that they can get this facility up and running. So you get to be a part of that, and it'll be exciting to see how this becomes more and more a part of their ministry. Uh, The third aspect of what we talked to you about is that uh, we were uh, someone a church asked a question of us, a brand new church plant uh, in the Fountain Square area, which is near downtown Indianapolis, a church called The Porch. It's just a few years old, and uh, they are currently meeting in a building that has no working restroom. All right, so you come and there's no place to go potty. And so you just, you got to wait till the service is over. Well, they, they came to Genesis and we've become friends and partners with this church and said, hey, would you be willing to give us $3,500 to help us get to the place where we can have working restrooms? And I'm excited to tell you that we have already given that gift. And uh, they are already at work. And, uh, and getting those restrooms in place. And I know that we've even got a few volunteers uh, that have gone down there and have helped them a little bit, and, and we're going to send some more too. But what I'm even more excited to tell you about is that David Ziegler and his wife are here today, the pastor of that church. And I'm going to invite David to come forward at this time, and uh, let's give him a hand as he comes. Thanks, buddy. I trust that your wife didn't want to come up, so. Probably not. Okay, I didn't want to embarrass her, even though I already have. So, uh, this is David Ziegler. Uh, we call him Zig. So, when you come up afterwards to meet him, just call him Zig. But, uh, Zig, tell us a little bit about uh, you and how you got connected with this church plant. Well, uh, I, I like to use the phrase sneaking suspicion. Uh, there's something kind of brewing in my heart and in the people's heart of uh, Trinity Church. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the porch is planted out of Trinity, which is actually planted out of Grace Community Church. So we're kind of the grandchild uh, to Grace Community. And so over the last four years, God has been doing something in my heart and in my wife's heart. We used to not like Indianapolis that much. We wanted, to, in, in fact, we wanted to do anything that we could to get out of the city. Let's go to Maine. Let's go to Colorado. Get us out of Indianapolis, this place with no water. No, you know, the, the White River is not that great of a place. <laughs> so get us out of here. But over the last four years at Trinity... Um, the Lord has been doing something in our hearts, stirring at this sneaking suspicion. Hey, open up your eyes to see something. And so uh, the last little while, God has been uh, opening us up to the, the area of Fountain Square, and our love for the city has, has increased. And so uh, uh, while I was one of the pastors at Trinity, uh, several folks from the Fountain Square area uh, became part of our church community. And 
I would walk down there uh, in, the, in the area of Fountain Square with them, and, and, and they would give me eyes to see what was going on. Hey, look, this is our neighbor right here. Th- these folks, they're, they're crack addicts and drug dealers and prostitutes, and, and so, so check out what's going on here. But we also love them. They're our neighbors. They're like family to us. There's something beautiful going on here. And so our love for the city can increase more and more and more. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Fountain Square because some people might be familiar with that yeah. area, but maybe we don't really know completely what that place is about. Yeah, so probably anyone been down there for some duck pin bowling, right? You also have uh, uh, the swing dancing. Anybody down there for swing dancing? You know, there's, it's right there. There's this great diner. There's a fountain. There's a really great uh, uh, Greek and Mediterranean restaurant. It's kind of known for its cultural sort of uh, traditional places. There's some great pizza down there. So folks are coming down there to, to hang out. Uh, there's a, a big art scene, so, so culturally, this is the, one of the places to be. But the thing is that just a quarter of a mile, half a mile down from the main strip of where all that is, there's this intersection, state and prospect, where everything changes. It's, it's kind of the, the cusp or this pivotal place where all of a sudden you enter into a place of extreme poverty and extreme want and prostitution. And it is just one of those places where you're just like, hmm, that's cool down there. This is not so cool, but that's right where we are, and that's where God has asked us as the porch to be involved. And so we want to say thank you, not just me, but we, the community of the porch, want to say thank you for what you're doing, your contribution. Thanks for listening to the Spirit, uh, because at the corner of State and Prospect, there's a building called the Tobacco for Less building. Two guys in our, our church community own this space, and uh, we've prayed about this, and this is the place that we feel we could meet anywhere, friends. Uh, for uh, our gathering of worship. We can meet in homes, we can meet in another church building, but we sense that God is asking us to specifically be involved right here at this corner, to renovate this building so that this can be a space for mission, a space for uh, purpose, a space for various things like after-school programs. There's a ministry called Outreach Inc. that we hope to kind of partner with further uh, to have a drop-off zone for some of the homeless kids that live in the area. So we want to see this space as mission and Thank you, the body of Christ coming together, the, 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 the church of Indianapolis working together to build for this. So uh, that's a little bit about what's going on. Now, your church has been meeting on Saturday nights for a couple of months now. Uh, tell us just what, what you've seen happen already. Where have you seen yeah. some work of God and some of the fruit taking place? Well, I have to kind of uh, preview this question, Paul, with uh, a story from my daughter. This has kind of been the major theme of our entire church community. Stop look and listen. And my daughter has taught me this. You know how Jesus, he often says that the kingdom will come to those little ones. So put on the mindset of a child and there the kingdom will pop. And so my daughter has showed me a lot about the kingdom and a lot about what we need to do at the porch. Stop, look, and listen. And so uh, one night we're uh, doing our, our traditional bedtime uh, scene and my, my daughter has has me in her bed, and she's like, Daddy, will you rub my back? Yes, I'll rub your back. Daddy, will you sing me a song? Yes, I'll sing your song. And, and, you know, I'm trying to get her in bed so that I can get out and do the things that are really important, to check Facebook, to, to, to watch, you know, look at email, watch the programs, you know, just to get, get done, right? Well, she can kind of sense that. She senses, Paul, that, that my body's all tense and I'm, I'm kind of tight. And so here's what she does. She takes my glasses off very slowly and folds them, reaches over me and puts them on the nightstand as if to say, Dad, pay attention. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to what's going on. I know you're busy. I know you've got all this stuff. Stop, look, and listen. 
And so my daughter has taught me this very essential kingdom uh, illustration. And so here we are as the porch. This is one of our main themes, our main tenets, is that God is up to something right around us, and we just have to have the eyes to see. He often taught in his parables, those who have eyes to see, let them see, and ears to hear, let them hear. And that's what we're trying to be, a community who is focused on that. So specifically, Paul, here's what's been happening. Right next to the Tobacco for Less building, there's a little grocery store called Armando's, and it's also a a little uh, restaurant. And the Latino population is quite on the rise in Fountain Square, and so these are popping up all over the place. And so our, our next door neighbor, Lori, owns this place. And there's been some sort of great mutual relationship being built here. We go over after the first Saturdays of each week and uh, we, uh, or each month, and we, we eat a meal with her and her family. And it's not just this like, thing where we come in and we, we slap our money on the table. There's something brewing there. There's something good there. God is up to something, building a relationship with, with Lori. And so here's what's happened. Uh, over the last little while, Lori has noticed something. There's a flavor of our people. I've never mon- once mentioned Jesus to her, but she knows that we are a church community. And Jesus taught about salt and light. And he talked about how salt has a certain sort of flavor that it adds, a, a very rich flavor in the world. And so Lori is seeing something. Her family is seeing something in our people. So much so that uh, she's never graced one of our gatherings, Paul. Uh, but she knocked on the door one time during a gathering. And we opened up the door like, this is very interesting. Opened up the door, and Lori brings us this wonderful baked bread. And that served as our communion bread for that evening. Wow. And so there's something going on there. There's this neighbor thing that Jesus talked about, and that's what we're trying to do. And so to stop, look, and listen is to just pay attention to the things that God are, are, is, are, is up to right around us. The kingdom is popping. Do we have eyes to see and ears to see, or ears to hear? Jesus is at work. Jesus is in the faces and the places of these people. And so uh, to conclude, uh, Paul, I'll talk to you a little bit about what the church is. We kind of have these three core tenets of, of who we are. Number one, we're a people. We're a people who are marked by accurately loving. And to accurately love means what we have to accurately listen to, what the Spirit is up to. Go and do this. Meet with this person. Be with this person. Just simply sit and rest in the presence of these people. Be neighbors. So we're a people who are marked by accurately loving. Uh, second, we're a, we're a place, a literal physical place, bricks and mortar sort of building, and you guys have helped contribute to that space. We don't want to just be another, another church service. We don't want to just put on another series of religious meetings. We don't want to just have cool music and good liturgy and that sort of thing. We want to be a place of mission where light and life happen, where this place, this corner where there used to be prostitution and greed and violence turns into beauty and gardens and hope and light and love and grace. That's what we want to be about. So it's, we're a people. The porch is a place. And the porch is also a way that my daughter showed me, a way of being and seeing Jesus in the world. Being and seeing Jesus in the broken world. So that's a little bit about the porch, Paul. Thanks, man. Zig, we really appreciate you and just uh, the opportunity we have to partner in what you guys are doing. And uh, thanks to you and your wife for your service down in India. And we, we look forward to hearing a ton of more stories. So let me pray for you first, okay? God, I just want to lift up uh, this guy and his, his wife, Lord, and for all the people that have given their life to plant this church in Fountain Square. And God, we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to do immeasurably more than all they could ever ask or imagine uh, as you uh, help them, give them the eyes to see and the ears to hear all the great work that you're already doing uh, in this place. 
Uh, thank you that we got to play a small part in, uh, in their journey. Uh, thanks for those who gave to make, make that possible. And uh, we just look forward to hearing about changed lives, people finding their way back to God and uh, hearing more about this great story. I, I pray that you would encourage uh, Zig today, uh, that your spirit would rest upon him, uh, that you would motivate him for the journey. And uh, thanks again for all that you're doing in his life, in the life of his wife and their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Zig. Appreciate it. Let's give him a hand. Uh, how, how awesome, you know, for us, you know, just to be selfish about it for a second, you know, that as we look at our own history, and for those of you that have been around here a lot longer than I have, of other churches that have come alongside of Genesis at different times to, to get us started, that we've come to a season now uh, where we're able to just make a small gift uh, to another church to help them along their way. That's pretty cool. And uh, thanks for being a part of that because it's so much greater than us. It's just so much greater than our little world right here uh, that we can reach out and we can give to another place. And we're going to have some opportunities to, to go down there. And I know others have already gone down there and done some work. And, and thanks again for your service and all this. We, we've been talking uh, about kind of our mission, who we want to be, where we feel like God is leading us. And, and, and the title that I chose for this series is just the title Intersections, that I believe we've arrived at this intersection of opportunity with, with all of our past behind us and everything that's ahead, and we just need to make a decision of, God, we're not exactly sure what's next, but we'll follow you. Wherever you go, we will follow you. We want to be behind your leadership, wherever it may be that, that you're going to take us. And our mission as a church has always been and will always be, uh, and you can say it with me, helping people find their way back to God. Uh, that's the what of who we are, that we believe that we have been called uh, as the church in this world, as the hope of this world, to bring light, to bring hope through the message of Jesus Christ, that things can be made right again, uh, that everything can be good again because of the power uh, and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we share that message with others, but what we've been talking about, how do, how do we accomplish this? How do we go about living out our mission as a church? And what does it mean for you and me? Because we can't just say that, oh, this is what our church is about, and then expect it to happen happen. I mean, you and I have to get behind it. You and I have to make a personal commitment with our lives that, you know what, I want to be changed and transformed in this, you know, because if you're not willing to change, then our church will be nothing, you know, and we'll do some great things along the way and we can pat ourselves on the back, but unless we are willing to allow God, the Holy Spirit, to come inside of us and transform of us, we'll, we'll accomplish nothing as a church. And so what, what path can we lay out? What, what expectations or goals can we set as a church that we feel like will best help us accomplish our mission? And so I, I've been sharing with you three core commitments that my hope is that everyone who calls Genesis Church their home would be willing to say, you know what, I embrace each of these three core commitments. This is who I want to be, and there's a work that takes place in each of them that will last until Jesus comes back. But these are three things that I want to be about and three things that are priorities for our church, uh, three approaches that we want to take. The first core commitment that we talked about a few weeks ago is just the word celebrate. Uh, each of them begins with the letter C, three C's. The first one is celebrate. It's about celebrating the love of God and His work in our lives, that every single one of us needs to embrace that, to seek to understand God's love, to seek to understand God's passion for us, His forgiveness, what He has given to us, and the life that He has called us to live. And I really believe that this is the starting place. And until you can completely understand what Jesus Christ has done for you and God's great love for you, then, then nothing else really matters. We can't accomplish the other things. And so it's our starting place, and, and that's why we, you know, we are about worship. You know, we want to be about worship, but not just on Sundays. 
It's about worshiping God, you know, every day with our life. It's, it's understanding His love more and more, you know, and this becomes our motivation for living. It's you and me sinners saved by sheer grace at God's infinite cost, and that's a great motivation to live. The second, second C is the word connect, that we're about celebrating God's love and His work in our lives, and we're about connecting people to Jesus and one another. It's about you and me getting involved, getting to know each other's story, getting involved with one another, sharing in life together. You know, one of the outlets that we've chosen for this is connection groups. And uh, our desire is that everyone would find a place in a connection group where you can build relationships uh, with other people, that you can know their story and, and go through life's up and downs uh, together. And we believe our groups play a vital role uh, in this. But the third C and the one that I want to finish up with this morning is the word contribute. Uh, the word contribute. It's about you and me making a commitment that we want to invest our time, our talents, our passions, and our resources in the work that God is doing through this church to make things right in the world again. You know, it's about, I want to make a personal contribution. It's about putting it all to work. It's about taking an active part. I mean, this is the active part of who we are. It's now about putting things into place, you know, understanding God's great love for us, coming alongside each other as a community. We now go and share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone uh, that we come in contact with. It's putting it all to work, and, uh, and so uh, that's why I want to talk to you. And to kind of break that down a little bit, I want to tell you a story uh, this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn to John. Uh, go to John chapter 13, the fourth book in the New Testament, and in John chapter 13, uh, we find Jesus with His disciples in the upper room gathered for this sacred meal uh, that was called Passover. And it was just before Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, but He was very well aware of what was ahead of Him. And so we begin in, in John chapter 13, verse 1. Let me read it for you. It says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world... He now showed them the full extent of His love. Now, what were the disciples doing? All this is taking place. They're gathered in this upper room. There's the sacred meal that they're about all to take, and the disciples are arguing over who's going to be the top dog. I mean, there's this argument taking place about who's going to be the top dog. Now, try and imagine, if you would, if you could, that Jesus is about to go be crucified, and He was very well aware of this. Jesus knew His mission. He knew His purpose. He knew what He was called to do. He knew what awaited Him. And there are a group of guys that had spent the last three years with Him who are now arguing over who gets to sit on His right and who gets to sit on His left. And so all this is going on. The Passover meal is being served, and all of a sudden His disciples realize that they have overlooked something that's very important at this time, and that's no one has had their feet washed yet. All right, now this is pretty important because back then foot washing was a big deal because people had dirty feet. You know, remember people walked just about everywhere. They wore sandals. You know, it was dusty, it was dirty. And then instead of sitting at chairs at a table, they would kneel on the floor. And so you would be kneeling some, next to someone and their feet would be in your face. I mean, you'd have full view of their dogs, you know, and everything that had gone on. And remember, I mean, this is an agrarian society, and so we're talking chickens and ducks and cows and everything that comes with them lying on the ground that these guys are walking through. And so it was very important when you entered someone's home or before a feast like this that you had your feet washed, but no one's there to do it. And maybe it was because the disciples couldn't afford a servant at this time or or maybe he'd called in sick with H1N1 or something, we don't know, but there's no servant on site to wash feet. 
And so, you know, the disciples, these same disciples probably argued over, well, who's going to do it? Who's, who's going to do this? And so, everyone just sits down with dirty, smelly feet. Verse 4, it says, so Jesus, He got up from the meal. He, he took off His outer clothing or, or the outer robe that He was wearing, and He wrapped a towel around His waist. And after that, He poured water into a basin, and He began to wash His disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, here's what we can't overlook in in this text, in this story. It was absolutely outrageous and unthinkable that Jesus would agree to do this, totally against customary social norms at this time. Because back then, the higher the status, the less likely that you would ever allow yourself to stoop to such a level. Now, remember that the disciples referred to him as master, They refer to him as teacher. They refer to him as rabbi. And a rabbi never washed the feet of his disciples. That was the job of a disciple. That was the job of a follower. And so I can only imagine that it got really awkward in the room as the master, as the teacher, as Jesus knelt to the floor and started washing his disciples' feet. But one by one, the Son of God, he just started washing their feet. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever had your feet washed by someone. I've been a part of some church services where there was a a foot washing that took place. I'll tell you that one of the most difficult things about attending a foot washing service is this. It's not washing someone else's feet. It's having your own feet washed. And it's very humbling. It's very hard to do. And it was tough for Peter. I mean, Peter flipped out when Jesus went to wash his feet. You know, verse 8 says, no, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. And then Jesus answered, and, and there was a lot more in his words than just the desire to wash his feet. He says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then he continued, and Jesus just kept washing their feet until he had gone through each disciple one by one, including the feet of Judas, the man that was about to betray him. And when Jesus had finished, he said this, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, He put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he asked, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Listen to the very clear command he gave to his disciples. You also should wash one another's feet. Verse 15, I have set you an example, Jesus said, that you should do as I have done for you. Now, this was a great challenge to His disciples 2,000 years ago. But I'm here to tell you as a minister of the gospel of of our Lord Jesus Christ that these words are relevant today. These words were intended for you and me as followers of Jesus. That as He said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And so that's why our third core commitment is just this creative word we chose, contribute. What does it mean for you and I to make a con- contribution? I mean, you and I were made to contribute. And that's the, God, the plan that God had for each of us, that you know, it's about making a personal commitment that you are ready and willing to be used by God with your time, that you are ready and willing to be used by God with your talents that God has given you, your great passions you know, your financial resources. 
you know, to partner with God in the work that He is already doing around us. God's already at work. He's just asking us to partner with Him in the work that He's doing here in this community and even beyond. And it's about modeling our life after the one who gave His life for us. Jesus said, do as I do. Jesus said, live as I live. I mean, He's made this great ask of you and me. And so the question really is, as we come to this end of this series is, are you ready? Are you willing to say with your own life, with your own heart, I'm ready. I want to be used by God. I want Him to be my model. I want Him to be my example. I'm excited about our church accomplishing this, but I realize in order to get here that I need to get there as well, and that we do it together, and we do it in community, and we follow God and His plan and His will. And, and you know, that means on Sundays here, but it means when we walk away from this place too, it's your home. Uh, it's being a servant in the community. It's being a servant in your workplace. It's being a servant in Haiti. And so the question is, are you ready to take on the attitude of a servant, place a towel over your arm, much like Jesus did, and say, you know what, each life, each person matters, every moment counts, every situation I am in, it all adds up to the work that God is doing to make things right in this world again, and I want to be a part of it. I want to make a contribution. You know, it's whoever, whenever, however, you know, it's about helping others succeed. You know, service is this intersection where there's this need and and that that need needs to be met by someone who's willing to say, I'm ready, I'm willing, and I'm able to do it. When Jesus asked the blind beggar, he says, you know, what do you want me to do for you? I believe he was modeling for us service. You know, when Jesus knelt to wash the feet of his disciples, he was modeling for us that no act of service is too menial to be without meaning. It all counts, it all matters. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 7, or through 7, Paul says, your attitude, this is for you and me, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who in being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. If he considered equality with God something to be grasped, he would never have knelt on the floor to wash the feet of his disciples. But he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And so that's for you and me, that our attitude should be like that of Jesus. Your life, my life should represent Jesus. And so here's what happens in our church as we get this. You know, one by one, each of us stepping forward saying, you know what, I get this. I want to be a part of this. I want to be transformed by God. I want to be used by God. Little by little, not only our, our lives transform, but our church gets transformed along the way. You know, and stuff starts happening around here as it already is. And we become more and more the church that God Uh, desires for us. And and I believe that God desires our church to be a serving church. And I believe that God desires our church to be a giving church. And I believe that God desires our church to be a place known for love and speaking the truth and welcoming those uh, who come in. And so, I I just got to thinking, you know, as we wrap all of this up, you know, if if we really move forward, every single one of us, and making these three commitments and saying, you know what, I want to be used by God. I'm getting to be, I, I want to be a part of this mission. What could it look like for us you know, as we look down the road? You know, I, I think we could become a church that is absolutely convinced that the good news and good deeds can never be separated, that they go together. You know, it takes two wings to lift an airplane, and we will only be effective in God-honoring if we are willing to walk the walk and talk, the, to, to talk the talk and walk the walk as a church especially in the day and age that we live in today. And you interact with people all the time outside of the church who have a very difficult impression, a very bad impression of the church and maybe even of God right now. 
And I believe even more so at this time, not only do we need to speak the good news, but we have to live the good news too uh, through these good deeds. You know, let's take a glimpse at, the, glimpse at the heart of God when it comes to service. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 and 7, God's own words. It says, is, is, this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Meaning, here, here's, the, here, here's what I want to see in my people. Here's the kind of worship that really gets me excited. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? I mean, there, there is a great place in God's heart for those who are in need. And while we are here to proclaim the good news, I believe we are also here to reach out to those in need and good deeds expressed in service and ministry validates the message that we want to proclaim, especially today. And when you think about it, the good news and good deeds are, after all, the very summation of Jesus' ministry. I mean, God proclaimed the good news through Jesus, and then Jesus went around doing good because God was with him. Let me just show you an example of this. Luke records an example of this in Acts chapter 10, verses 36 to 38. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So, he told the message of the good news through Jesus. Now, skip over to verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. And so, these, this idea of everyone making a con contribution, it, it comes from Scripture. It's what God has called us to do to be actively involved in sharing this message. You know, it's doing something. It's reaching out to those in need. And, and whether it's serving on a Sunday morning in one of our Gen Kids classrooms or, or with middle school students or serving in the cafe, or it's serving a cup of soup to someone who's homeless on a Wednesday night, it's about putting feet on the good news. And, and this idea of contributing in service is, is not just a fad. It's not just some new tactic that churches are buying into, but I believe that churches are finally getting around to doing what Scripture has called us to do as a church. Because for so many years, we've just gotten wrapped up into thinking, you know what, just open the doors and let people come into your building, and that'll take care of everything. It doesn't work anymore. And there's a time and a place for that, and we want to be ready. And I get super excited about Sunday mornings and worship and inviting people into this place and using creativity and being authentic in our worship. But I'm excited for us as a church to get outside of the walls of this building and just say, God, I'm ready to be used by you. And that'll mean, you know, some things that we plan and organize, but don't just sit around and wait for us to plan and organize an event. You just go do it. And I know that many of you are already doing it, and I've heard your stories, and I'm excited for every one of us to be able to get involved uh, in such things. You know, the, you know, sharing the good news is a great part of our responsibility but it's only part of it, and we have to be known, you know, for these good news, but I, I believe it's important for us to be known for our good deeds too. There's another thing that I think we can become. I think we're on the way, and that is a church that sees itself as vital to the health and the well-being of our community. So we were, you know, we're down in Haiti for just a few days. It was just a very short visit, just to see things firsthand and, and to really pray and think about, okay, how could a church, you know, like Genesis get involved in Haiti? Haiti is an unbelievable place. I, I've never been to a third world country before. It really was a first for me. I, I believe there are something like nine million people that live in Haiti. We flew into Port-au-Prince, which is a, a city of a few million and many people living on the streets. The roads 
are unbelievable. I mean, we're talking, you know, these huge craters, you know, and, and potholes, and Esperando drives like a wild man, all right? But he is a phenomenal driver. I mean, we would not, we, none of us would make it living there, all right? I mean, just the way that they drive and avoiding accidents, and, and so it really was an adventure in, in many different ways. And again, there are so many stories to tell, but, but how awesome it was. We, we stayed at his house, and every team that goes down there for a trip stays at his house, and he's got plenty of room, and uh, but each day we, we went out to this village called Shambrun, and it's about an hour outside of, of Port-au-Prince. Uh, in the U.S., it would probably take us 20 or 25 minutes here, but because of the roads and just hundreds if not thousands of people along the streets, and, and you make your way out to this little village called Shambrun. Maybe a few hundred people live there, you know, a few block homes, but mostly mud huts. You know, we went into a couple of them. Every time it rains, the mud just washes away. They've got to rebuild their homes. Sickness and devastation. We visited a family. We, we walked into this family's yard where most of the community had gathered because just last week their 13-year-old daughter had died. And she just died of things that you just naturally die of in Haiti. You know, unclean water, you know, sickness. Um, and, and we were able to, you know, give our condolences to this family. Many of the kids had never attended school before. Uh, broken families, broken lives, little to no medical care. But right there in this small village, out in the middle of the bush, is a church that now provides school five days a week to several hundred kids. And every Sunday, most of the community comes in for services. They share the good news, they share the message. They've now built this medical clinic, and their goal is, is that medical clinic would be open more than it's closed, that people can come in and just receive care that's just so easy for us to take for granted, and change is happening. There's a home for children. These children live in this home. They're orphaned. The little girl there, the lighter-skinned girl on the left, uh, they found her in the bushes just a couple of years ago, sores all over her body. She'd been abandoned by her parents. There's all the kids lining up to go in for their start to school. They each have uniforms, the medical clinic that's coming together. This church is the hope of that community right now. It is the lifeline. And God is putting things together in that community through the lives of the servants uh, that are ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I just believe that our church, you know, I believe that in our community, whether it be Noblesville or Hamilton County, uh, we can play a vital role here too. You know, and it's easy to look around and say, well, there aren't any needs in Noblesville. It's a prosperous community, but there are needs. And uh, I, I'm, I, I get jazzed about churches partnering together. I believe that God looks very favorably when churches put aside their differences and work together. I'm excited about us partnering with other churches. Uh, but I believe that God put us here in this town for a reason. I believe that God put us here on this street for a reason. I believe that we are in this building for a reason, and our mission now is to figure out, God, why is it that you put us here? What is it that you've called us to do right here in this community? And, uh, and we want to be able to reach out. And, and, you know, and I believe that it will be important for us to identify what are the real needs of this community right now? What are they? How can we get involved? You know, it's about making this city great. You know, it's about partnering with this community. How can we reach out and bring hope? You know, we talk a lot about serving here on Sundays, and that's extremely important. We're going to have opportunities to go serve in Indianapolis and to serve in, in Haiti, but what about right here in Noblesville? 
you know, how can we serve in Noblesville? You know, and it might be through ongoing efforts with local food pantries. It might mean raking the yards of, of the elderly, visiting them in the nursing home. Uh, it, it might mean helping people who are currently out of job with mentoring and coaching to help them get to where they need to be. Uh, it might mean an after-school program for children. Or what about this? What if we worked intentionally to serve our schools right here in the community? Uh, I was reading the story of a church the other day in a, a city that decided, let's do something great for our local schools. And so, as a first step, uh, their church said, let's write a thank you note to every teacher and administrator in our, our city school district. And so, they wrote some 3,000 notes, uh, no strings attached, not even an invitation to church, and just said, hey, we want to thank you for what you do, because it all counts, it all matters. Uh, and what if that counted for us too? That we just said, hey, let's go out and let's make sure that we're getting involved in our schools and, and we're serving and just serve in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, there are so many possibilities and so many things to get done, and I wish I could roll out for you this three-step plan for today, you know, how we're just going to take it all, all right? But uh, I, we're not there, and, and I, I'm counting on you. I'm counting about on you to get passionate about something, and nothing is preventing you from serving right now, you know, so just, just go get involved and jump in somewhere. But let's just say, hey, we're ready. God, we're ready. We're ready for you to open doors, and we're going to respond as you call us to do. Another thing, real quick, uh, I believe that we can be a church where ministering and serving are the normal expressions, you know, of every person in our church. You know, I believe that your best opportunity to grow comes when you serve. And, and it's one thing to be in worship, and it's one thing to study the Word of God together, and it's another thing to get connected in groups. But if you don't get serving somewhere, I, I think it's a waste. I really do. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you can read the flight manual all you want, but until you fly that plane, you're not a pilot. And I believe that God has called us to be a people of action, and we're going to study the Word of God together, and we're going to seek to better understand His love, and we're going to get to know one another in our groups and build relationships with each other. But I'm excited for us to continue being active and serving and looking ahead at what some of the great things are. Uh, you know, until then, you know, just again, find a place to serve. You know, jump in and make a contribution. Get to know some people around you. You know, we, we provided for you today an insert in the bulletin with just a number of opportunities that happen right here, you know, on Sunday mornings. And if you aren't serving here, then get involved somewhere in the community and just go do it in the name of Jesus. Just find a place to start serving and, and put some things to action. And again, you know, we're going to work hard at being a church that worships passionately. passionately and, and my hope and prayer is um, that you'll make serving a part of your spiritual journey too. You know, we learn from study. We learn from teaching. But honestly, I don't think you can grow until you get involved in ministry and service. The last thing is this, and I'll just kind of wrap up with this as we uh, kind of wrap up this intersection series. I want us to be a church that can say we have succeeded in helping people find their way back to God. And that we can see that in life change through baptism, that we can see that in life change through testimonies, as we can see that as we get involved in the community and see some of the real needs around us. I mean, listen, the church in America is not hitting the ball out of the park today when it comes to helping people find their way back to God. Uh, a recent study has shown that of some 14,000 churches surveyed, uh, less than half are currently growing. More and more churches are closing their doors every week. But the good news, according to this study, was this. The churches that were growing were churches with a strong commitment to social justice and with direct participation in community outreach ministries, uh, that these churches are more likely to grow right now than any other church. Simply put, it's not enough just to leave the doors open. We've got to put feet on our message too. We can't just expect people to walk in. So here's what I see. It's, 
It's the church. It's people like you and me, you know, living for Jesus each day, you know, serving our neighbors, saying, God, I believe you're big enough and great enough that you put me in this house or this apartment for a reason, that these people around me are not a mistake. These people that I work next to each day, you know, it's husbands serving their wives. You know, it's reaching out to the needs of the community. It's giving, it's supporting and participating in the ministries that are happening at the very ends of the earth, places like Haiti. But as we do it, here's the thing. As we seek to make a contribution, we look for nothing in return. We're not looking to get something out of it. We're not even going to put T-shirts on that say, hey, we're Genesis and here we come. You know, we just, we just go do it in the name of Jesus. We just do it because it's what He's called us to do. And it's just about getting around other people and letting them be drawn to Christ's message through our presence, our service, and our love. And if we are willing to make a personal commitment, you know, to make a contribution with our time, our talents, our passions, and our resources, I think you and I will experience the joy of helping people find their way back to God, and that'll be enough. That'll be enough. So we met a number of people in Haiti, and, you know, again, lots of stories to tell, and I've got a short one, and that's what I'm concluding with, but... So we spent a lot of time in this little community, this little village called Shambrun, this mud hut village and the school there and the church. And the one day we were leaving and we were going to head back to Esperando's house, which again was about a half hour, 45 minute drive. And so we're driving down this bumpy rock road and goats everywhere, they walking across the path and uh, cows and donkeys. And, you know, there's this drainage ditch along the road that just filled with sewage and uh, we get ready to pull up onto the main road, but instead Esperando, our, our guide, decides, let's, let's drop down on the other side of the road. I want to introduce you to a group of people I've been building a relationship with. And as we pulled into this small village, I'm talking like four or five mud huts, it was obvious that while Shambrun was a poor place, this was an even poorer community. And Esperando, he, he's just, he's always networking, he's always building relationships with people, and they immediately recognized him. And you know, these women started coming out of their huts. There were no grown men in sight. And all of these little kids, and you could see a difference in the color of their hair and their bloated stomachs, so they were even more mal- malnourished than the other kids we had been meeting with. No school, no church, probably little to no medical services. And the guys that I were with, we just started reaching into our bags and looking for every granola bar and bag of peanuts that we had. And We could only stay for a moment, so we rolled down the windows and we just started handing out these goods. And I always remember there was this little boy that came up to the door. This isn't him. I don't have a picture of him, but I wanted to give you a face. But this little boy came up to the door, and as I was handing him my granola bar, with this big smile on his face, his words were, Merci. And he took his granola bar and he walked back to his home and He started eating it, and I saw him sharing it with his mom. You know, and I have to say that in my time there and even in that moment, you kind of can't help but wonder, does it really matter? Granola bar, some money given. I mean, you just see all of this need around you. But who am I to say that in that moment for that boy, you know, whether it meant a meal or a little bit of hope or the possibility of a connection with this church about a mile away down the road, that there wasn't even potentially just some hope at that moment for him or for his family. Remember the parable of the lost sheep. Ninety-nine were accounted for, 
but the shepherd wasn't satisfied until all of them had been brought back. And I was reminded in that moment that every life matters. Every life matters. But you know, also selfishly, in that moment for me, as I was able to extend that simple act of love to that little boy, there was a peace and a power in my life that in that moment I was closer to God than I had ever been before. Closer than any sermon I've ever sat through, any book that I've ever read, any song I've ever sang. But it was obvious to me at that moment that God was in our midst, that He was working, and He was looking favorably upon that act of service, not for my benefit, but that God was willing to do that for me. Friends, as we live our lives, as we seek to be the church that God wants us to be, as we continue down the road following God, let's be reminded that every life matters. Every moment counts. Every person helping people find their way back to God. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray. God, thanks for this time this morning. Thanks for our example in Jesus Christ. And we pray, I pray, God, that every single one of us would open ourselves up and say, Jesus, what do you want to do through me? May he be our model. May he be our guide. And God, will you show us the way? Thanks for this church. Thanks for what you're doing here. And uh, we're so excited to see what's ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.